Welcome back, guys, to another episode of Business from the Bass Boat on the Serious Angler Network, powered by X2 Power. And guys, today we've got an exciting show lined up, something I'm really passionate about. Uh, again, staying still on this West Coast flair and talking more of this West Coast stuff, and specifically Desert Lake and so much history around this stuff. Um, Really excited to get this guy on. He's been the voice behind One Bass for a long time. And everything U.S. Open related, let's get bring him in here. Billy Egan, the man. How are you, Billy? I'm doing awesome. Thanks for having me on, Adam. I appreciate you giving me an opportunity to come out here and talk. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. I'm I'm so excited. This is uh, It's a big change this year, 40th anniversary. We're talking... A lot of history around this event and um, big change, change in locations. And we'll get a little bit into that. But first, just wanted to see um, how's how's your summer been? I know you're way out on uh, you're in California, correct? Like San Diego area or where in California? Yeah, we're in mid California. We're in the Orange County area near Dana Point, Newport Beach area. Okay. Uh, in San, San Clemente. Uh, yeah. Outdoor News, Juan Bass is headquartered in San Clemente. So it's been an awesome summer. Uh, you know, a lot of, a lot of great times down at the beach and a lot of good events going on. And other than just Wombass events, we do what 12 events a year, including the Wombass events. So lots of stuff going on and it's been a great year so far. Awesome. Awesome, man. You're a, you surf sometimes, don't you? I've seen some I do. I, I do. I play beach volleyball mostly. That's my, that's my exercise. And, uh, I've got a beach that I've been going to for, uh, too long uh, <laughs> not long but uh, i've watched most of the kids that i saw that were about this big uh grow up to have their own kids so yeah it's it, you know southern california it's a beautiful place to live and it's a great place to uh um have western outdoor news be a what 74 years of producing a weekly paper out here by the same family the Twilliger family so and wombass is owned by western outdoor news it's the parent company so Yep. magazine right there with my son on the cover that he got a 300 pound boar last year so yeah it's not it's 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 a nice place that's awesome well the last time we had you on we really broke down your career and everything with one bass and it was uh it was great and that was with when business from the bass boat was separate from the serious angler podcast so great to kind of get you on new audience here or somewhat we've got a, a larger audience as this podcast has just grown. So, um, it's great to, if, if anyone is interested in looking back, you can go way back and see those prior episodes to dive in to Billy's kind of history and how he got in. But for now, really, we are going to dive into the U S open in 2022 Super excited. Uh, for a long time, the US, U.S. Open has always been that grinder event, right? And it's always was kind of that late summer. And then it kind of moved into that October time frame, which can still be a tough time depending on, on what you're looking at. The trick is this year, we're changing fisheries to a place that has uh, bigger fish for sure. Right. Am I wrong there? You know, for 39 years, the U.S. Open, you know, it's a long-standing tradition with this event. It's uh the first $100,000 payout tournament that ever happened back in the day, 1981 with Greg Hines winning it. Um, fortunately for myself, I've been involved with Juan Bass now for, this is ending my 13th year 
of being a tournament director for Juan Bass and taking over for Harvey Nasland in 2010 uh, at that U.S. Open. And it's been a great journey. Um, it's been unbelievable, you know, just the relationships and the people that I've been able to be around, not only the sponsors, but the anglers. And it's 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 near and dear to my heart. Uh, I've been doing this because I love doing it, you know. Um, the people and friendships that I've garnished throughout the years is, is just tremendous. Not accounting the West coast guys, but the national type guys, you know, uh, like Aaron Martins, obviously he and I became really close friends after that first U S open I ever produced. And he was literally the, the one guy and uh, he just had his birthday recently. So, uh, he was the one guy at that 2010 U S open, my very first U S open said, Hey, Billy, I want to help you get this event to 200 boats. There's no reason this shouldn't be a 200 boat event. And it took a few years, but uh, we finally made it. I mean, we've had numbers up to 270 before at the U.S. Open. Um, this year we're sitting right now at 201 boats for the uh, 40th anniversary U.S. Open. And like you mentioned, for 39 years, we've been at Lake Mead doing the U.S. Open. It's the home of U.S. Open. Colville Bay was the home marina for the u.s open but um obviously with the water conditions and the drought situation that we're under out here in, in the west uh lake mead doesn't have the facilities nor the launch ramps to even try to put it on an event you know a lot of people actually i get calls every day hey it rained a lot up there in vegas i see flooding in vegas did that help lake mead 14 inches of water is not going to help our current situation so for for this year um, we partnered with the uh, Visit Laughlin, the LTC in Laughlin, uh, to bring the U.S. Open for the first time to Lake Mojave. Now, we've, we did a, an event in March at uh, Lake Mojave with the LTC and the Visit Las Vegas uh, groups. They've got great uh, partners in, in Laughlin with seven different hotels that are offering discount rates and all that stuff. And there's the facilities at Catherine's Landing and the lake itself, I mean, it's basically you have an opportunity to double the size of fish that you're catching during this year's U.S. Open at Lake yeah. Mojave than you would at Lake Mead. Mm -hmm. Lake Mead, as Rick Clun has said for many years and has become a very close friend, one of the first times I ever talked to him, he mentioned, you know, you can't call yourself a true champion if you don't have a Lake Mead U.S. Open championship underneath your belt because Lake Mead was the great equalizer. And, you know, uh, the one thing we had all these different uh, variables coming across us with the low water situations and the barrels and different things that are happening out there, we quickly knew that, hey, there's, yeah, we pulled some rabbits out of the hat last year to make the event happen there. Yeah. And it was probably one of the smoothest events we've ever run under those conditions. You know, if you figure after 12 years of running the U.S. Open, trying to get these guys to get in line and get their boats in line early, the one year that we have ramp issues was the one year everybody was launched before 6.30 and we didn't have a line of people still launching when we went out to do the national anthem and get things going. So it really worked real well last year at Lake Mead, but there was just no possibility of, of running the event this year. So because we had partnered with Laughlin and visit Laughlin for the March event, 
Uh, we approached them with the opportunity of bringing the 40th anniversary to Lake Mojave, which is it's a 57 mile long lake. Yep. You know, it's not a small lake, but uh, it's not quite as big as Lake Mead is. Sure. But it's full pool. Lake Lake Mojave will never fluctuate more than five feet at any time during during the year. Now, leading up to the U.S. Open is right when they typically will drop the lake about five feet because they've got some um, invasive uh, species that hatch and so forth. And if you lower the water level, those eggs that are on the reeds and different plants, if you lower the water, they'll not make it throughout the the gestation period of those insects. And it helps eradicate some of the gnats and mosquitoes and different bugs that plague that particular area. But Mojave is a beautiful, beautiful lake. It's big. It's got really good size, smallmouth in it and largemouth as well. There's a good striper population there. And I spent a couple of days there, uh, August 18th and 19th, uh, with meetings at Laughlin to work out de- details with the hotels and also at Catherine's. And the fishing was a little tough, but one of the things I noticed, and some of these guys might be interested in this and some, some of the people listening, we were chasing what we thought were uh, bait fish puddling all over the place. And we were hearing reports of, hey, go over to this area. We saw a lot of bait fish. Hey, go this area. So when we were out there, the conditions were a little tough because there were some monsoon rains coming in and actually took about nine of the telephone poles or electrical poles down that caused a blackout at Catherine's for a little bit. But when we got on the water, we found these puddling bait fish that we thought and we spent about an hour fishing this area that there was literally on the screen just what you thought was a bait ball everywhere okay for about an hour of fishing it i took one of the baits that i was using and and really kind of slowed it down and tried to give it some action just before i got to the boat what we realized is there are thousands of baby bass in that lake they're really? bait fish and nothing was eating them. Nothing was being predatory towards them. It was just That's these crazy. locations we went, thousands and thousands of baby bass, which just says how how Her rich child. that fishery is and yeah. what potentials could be. Yeah, that's cool. I mean, this time of the year, it seems, especially that like August window, especially in Colorado and, and our lakes that have just a large population and small, small mouth. But my goodness, it's the same kind of way. You just have those big groups of, of, uh, small bass. And to me in that situation, I almost think on a place like Mojave with a big striper population, I would think that eventually that those striper would just find those things and crush them. You know what I mean? We were surprised that there weren't any predatory fish around this. I mean, literally they, they must've been eating some insects or something that were larvae or something just just up there all around Really? Okay. There were no predatory fish around. And you would think in those kind of situations that the striped bass would hear that or the low, you know, the largemouth or smallmouth would hear that and congregate around those, but there was nothing. But That's you know, crazy. we ended up catching some some legal fish, had a good time. Kevin Johnson, one of our uh, pros that's uh, owns Next Gen Lithium, mm-hmm. uh, just posted a five five one personal best smallmouth that he caught a couple days ago in a little deeper water so there's fish all over that lake and the beauty about lake 
Mojave being 57 miles long, you've got this southern end, which is closer to the dam area, which has a lot of coves, a lot of inlets and areas. And then it really opens up into the belly of the lake, into a big mass type lake situation. And then if you go past Cottonwood Cove, you're getting into this thinner, kind of more traditional Lake Mead type uh, fisheries where you go all the way up to Willow Beach area where lots big striped bass guys try to target big bass up there. But there's a lot of places to fish and, you know, with 200 plus boats, uh, we've maxed the event out at 225. So we're not quite there yet, but uh, you know, if anybody's listening and wants to make this year, the year that they come out and participate in the U S open, we have spots available for pro anglers until we reach that 225 uh, max limit, as well as co-angler positions too. But uh, 49 years of running the U.S. Open is a pretty big and pretty monumental event. And one of the cool things that we've done uh, with that being the 40th anniversary is this year we are we have decided to implement and induct our first ever five Juan Bass Hall of Famers. Wow, very yeah. cool. So we, yes. we we decided amongst our company that it was time with 40 years below our belt running this event that we need to start recognizing some of these guys that have been around, not only anglers, but industry people as well that have supported one bass and the U.S. Open, let alone our other events. But uh, we're going to be doing a expo like we've never done before. And typically we call that a sponsor's, sponsor's row where – okay. In past events at uh, Las Vegas, we'll have uh, one of the concert halls where each of the sponsors have a table where they represent their their products, and there's a gift on the table for each of the anglers that signed up for the event, get to come by, shake hands, touch and feel their products, and then get a nice little gift for signing up for the event. This year, because it's in Laughlin, because we've partnered with Laughlin and Visit Laughlin and the seven hotel partners we're going to be doing an expo at the east center which is located at edgewater casino okay it's an indoor concert hall that sits about i think it was 5500 people so plenty of room for all the sponsors to have tables and for the first time ever we're actually inviting the general public to come to this event so not only can the anglers come by and meet all the sponsors and get a gift the general public can come and meet the, you know, Rick Cluns, the Brett Heights, the Josh Bertrands, the Chris Zaldanes, and the people that fish the national tours and, and our Western pros that, you know, make up for 75% of our entries here. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. And, and folks, if, if you haven't ever, uh, for, for folks who don't know how the structure works in a one bass event, the AAA format, um, great opportunity. And for anyone out there that's interested and has, has some time this fall to go to an incredible fishery in the West, uh, highly would recommend. And the AAA format makes that super accessible if someone were wanting to fly into Vegas and drive down, uh, and fish that type of event and, or, you know, your typical normal travel, but it, it makes it a, a really fun situation. And Billy, I guess for anyone who isn't quite familiar, can you kind of describe what that AAA pro format looks like? Yeah. Uh, Juan Bass is, as far as I know, the only circuit that does a shared weight format mm -hmm. event. 
So basically what that means is, you know, it's just the same as everybody, every, all the other circuits out there that do pro and amateur style events. But unlike MLF or what was FLW and other circuits, our anglers, actually, it's a shared weight uh, format. So what we do is obviously you have to have the same amount of pros as you do amateurs or co-anglers or, co- or triple A's. There's multiple different names for, for those uh, amateurs or co-anglers, but you get to fish no matter what for three days. We have no cuts. We have no elimination rounds where people don't get to fish the second or third day. So yeah. it's, it's literally, I mean, it's $600 as a co-angler to fish the U S open. It's $1,600 to fish as a pro, but to be able to fish with three pros, let alone national pros and local Western pros for a total amount of $600 for three days. I mean, you can't even get a guide for less than $400 these days. And what happens is because we're the only ones that do shared weight format, the pro and the co randomly get paired together. So you'll fish with a pro will fish with a random co for three days. Typically it's somebody they don't know, but it might be somebody that's been fishing the circuit for a while and that they fished with before. But regardless, they are able to go out and combine bringing the best five fish between the two of them for the day. We also have within our payout structure, a included big fish uh, payout and big stringer payout. So for three days, the top five big fish on the pro side and the big fish on the triple side will get a thousand dollar check as part of our payout structure. The biggest stringer each day, based on the pro and the code that bring in the biggest bag each day, will in, earn two thousand dollars each day. So those are, you know, things that we we put out there. But literally, you for six hundred dollars as a co-anger can come out and fish with a Mike Folkstad who's coming out of retirement this year to fish at eighty-two years old, who's literally the only guy that's got three U.S. Open championships other than Clifford Perch. Clifford Perch right now, because Aaron passed away, is the only person who could possibly take away a fourth uh, U.S. Open trophy at this point. Mm-hmm. And he'll be there this year as well. But, you know, the experience, I always tell people when they sign up for our Open events or the U.S. Open event, is once you fish a Wombass Open event, you'll make friends for life. Because there is no backseater situation you're you're encouraged to help that amateur or that co-angler catch whatever they can because it's helping that pros bag in the long run yeah and and to me that is awesome because i've fished from the front and the back of the boat quite a lot now and um basically the idea there sometimes you draw a guy from the back of the boat where he's not really interested in telling you what he's doing like or how he's catching them or those those conversations are so much more open in a triple a format and they're going to help you and say hey look here's what i'm using there's no secrets right there's no like (laughs) there's no hiding a bait from somebody because you're trying to get them to catch fish um to help the cause so uh super super uh incredible format when it comes to that one thing i will say the only other folks doing this that i'm aware of and this was uh, through Eric Luzak, who was on the podcast last, actually, uh, when we had fished together on Champlain, we were talking about that in Canada, all the Canadian tournaments he grew up with. And he's like, what's crazy is I don't know where this came from, but like 
there was no team there it was either team tournament or a triple a style format there was no co-angler he said it was new when he came to the states to fish uh you know a toyota series event those type of things he was like whoa this is crazy i didn't realize that we're not working together here <laughs> so right. that's uh well, the crazy. interesting thing with co-anglers i was uh, uh taught by harvey naslin who had he was the first guy who was involved with the us open back in 2000 uh, or 1981 yeah, when all the guys back then used to have pro and pro situation, there was no co-anglers back mm -hmm. then. Yeah, you yeah. Flip a coin to find out which boat you guys would be using and who would have the front of the boat for the first half of the day. And I, I, I've heard that, and people have told me about it. And I'm beginning in today's market. I would have to be separating people at the end of the day because there'd be fights. Just, you know, you got egos, you got things that are involved and so forth, but. It's interesting to look, look at the tradition. And originally, co-anglers were brought in, at least in our format, as a um, security purpose. Because insurance-wise, right? Randomly paired with a guy that you've never met, it's a lot harder to cheat with somebody that you don't know oh, than it is yeah. with somebody you do know. Sure. So, not to say that cheating is prevalent. We all have heard the stories. And shoot, my first year. Here at Wombass, we caught Mike Hart doing what he did, and everybody knows that's mm -hmm. I'm sure you could do some research and find it. But, you know, it, it's interesting. The co-anglers bring a, a, an aspect to it. Um, the U.S. Open in its um, bare minimum format, I mean, you can you get an entry online from somebody that wants to participate in a tournament, but you don't know who this person is. You've never met them before. You don't know what age they are. So sometimes you get – guys that are later in their years that want to show up and participate in some something like this. And you you have to kind of deal with situations as they arise. You know, maybe they need a back seat because they're not so good on their legs or but it's worked out throughout the years where, you know, this co-angler situation really helps the format and becomes a really friendly format where people be they, they bond and make friendships for a lifetime after mm -hmm. an event like this. Yeah. You do have situations, you know, where um, I obviously tell everybody prior to the event during our meetings that there are things that you need to abide by during the tournament as an amateur because, you know, sometimes the pro is not familiar with that particular uh, lake or that body of water. and They might draw a AAA that's a local guy that may have a little bit more knowledge on the lake than they do. Mm -hmm. stress very importantly that during the tournament let's just say for instance a pro on the second day is struggling he's run out of spots and he looks at his co-anger and he's like i don't know what to do and he's like well i'm familiar with the lake let's go to one of these spots i have yeah key thing is is if a triple a does that and gives that pro that spot he can't give it to the next day's pro because he's now turned that spot into his, that pro spot. Sure. Sure. He can't share information back and forth and end up on day three where there's two pros on the same spot because the co-angler was the common denominator. So yeah. Yeah. We make that very, very, that information very prevalent up, up ahead of times. And one of the things I want to just say right now, and without Basscat boats and Mercury motors, we wouldn't be where we're at today running mm -hmm. open events so they we've got great sponsors involved with wombass and all of our events and 
you know, power pole and I could go off the whole list of 30 some pro uh, sponsors that are involved with our events that help us put on these events and uh, make them a success like they are. Awesome. Awesome. It's important to get that in there and, um, glad to see as Rick's Pierce, uh, attention uh out west i've always i've always thought the basket boat has done an incredible job with supporting the industry out west and um mojave too one of those things i was i was thinking about through this it can absolutely get rolling uh just like mead as far yeah, as as so far mean. as those, those those desert lakes go um for those of you just uh a colorado river chain tutorial I mean, you've got Lake Mead right next to Vegas, and then you drop down and you've got Mojave, which is a little bit bigger than Havasu, but obviously not as big as Mead. And then the next one down is Havasu there. And that whole Colorado River chain is awesome. But that Mojave is uh, what I love. I mean, I just love desert lakes, and I love how Mojave is not as populated, right, as like a Havasu is. Um, I mean, it is a true desert lake and, and is the views out there are incredible. It's clearer in my opinion than all of them. Yep. And, uh, it can, um, I read the article on one bass's what one bass's website just around, uh, Gunner Stranton. And so, so last year, uh, I fished a championship out on Mojave, uh, and blew a powerhead or is a team tournament on our tournament on Havasu the last final day, but still had enough to make it to Mojave and Gunner let us borrow his boat there. I, I met Gunner fishing college tournament. That must have been an ABA event. I see yep. it back behind you. Yeah. Yep. When they did the shared weight or shared lake thing. Yeah. Uh, the shootout for, for a bass cat, but, but he, he warned me, he's like, what protects this place is the wind because people can't always get on it. Like it can, you can definitely uh, be, be careful, be prepared for that for sure. Especially yeah, we, we have a lot of people that, you know, that are the secretive guys that have kept Mojave, try, try to keep Mojave to themselves. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously with Lake Mead getting most of the attention and in Lake Havasu, you know, in between the two of them. Uh, but with Mead situation, Mojave's become the next best place, obviously, to run an event with the Laughlin Tourism Commission and the Visit Laughlin guys out there that have gotten behind our events. Uh, it, it helps tremendously. I mean, Catherine's Landing down there, I'm not sure if that's where the event was out at, at Catherine's Landing for your ABA event. Catherine's Landing is a beautiful facility. Literally four lanes on each side of the launch ramp there. They've got uh, camping facilities. They've got slips to, you know, we've, we've got about 60 to 80 slips that we can use for our weigh-ins. It makes it perfect for a weigh-in situation. Mm-hmm. Laughlin only being 15 minutes away from the lake, it, it just, it's a great synergy. And, you know, with the fishing being, the fish being a little bit bigger at Mojave, the weights are going to be a little different than a traditional U.S. Open, I would imagine. Oh, yeah. yeah. But being in October, we're not going to see the really big weights that you would maybe in February, March, you know, yeah. when uh, Mr. Stanton does so well. Uh, the fishing there, I mean, it's great. It's a beautiful lake. You can see a mile in the water. And, uh, you know, it's been dealing with some torrential rains during the uh, squalls that have been coming through this time of year. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, it's going to be a great place to run the 40th anniversary U.S. Open. 
Yeah. And, and it, it's like you were talking about the lake structure. To me, it's very similar. It's interesting to me, those lower Colorado chain river lakes. It's like a Havasu and Mojave are the same. They're both real narrow on the north and the south end. And then they kind of have that bowl style right. in the middle. So uh, plenty of room, like you said, 57 miles long. Um, and that bowl can get rocking. So, so be careful with that. And, um, you know, one, one question I did have for you, just on your knowledge at all, I've got a friend actually in college right now that was telling me a little bit, he's in a water class, right? So they're, they're, they're going through the Colorado river, river situation and everything in that chain. So you were saying that Mojave really doesn't fluctuate much on a, on an annual basis. And I've heard that same thing with Havasu because it had, they have to keep enough water. Like Havasu will never go, go away because that's the, the one that really is the last leg before you get the water to California and the Southern California. Well, Bay. you got Yuma, Arizona down below with Lake Martinez, which is still part of the Colorado river chain. But okay. Because of the power situation with the water coming out of the Davis Dam and other areas above that, they have to continue letting water out. But for Mojave, it will never fluctuate more than five feet in depth at any, any time throughout the year. Now, the unique wow. thing is we have an off-limits period for the U.S. Open coming up between September 19th and September 30th. Okay. So a lot of guys that are saying, hey, well, I'm going to go run out there the first two weeks of September and get some practice in. And I'm like, hey, I'll go for it. Have a good time. But just so you know, by the time you show up at tournament time, the lake's going to be five feet lower and conditions are going to change. So everything you just practice for is going to be out the window. And what you're faced with, you'll learn prior to the tournament. Now, because Lake Lake Mojave is run by the Lake Mead National Parks Recreation Area. Lake yeah. Mead and Lake Mojave are all national park situation. Our permit is a process that we do with the national parks. Mm. Now, um, they have a situation that we ran into in March when we had our March uh, Laughlin Open. Okay. is basically... Um, we typically would have a four-day official practice before our tournament, which means during those four days, you have to abide by tournament rules. Sure. You fish with somebody that's registered in the tournament. You have to wear your life jacket. jacket. Your okay. motor's on. You can't blow five-on-hour zones, things like that. But because National Parks is the permitting uh, agency, they decided on their own accord to permit our practice days for our March event. And what happened was, as you mentioned earlier, Mojave can, just like me, get, uh, you know, uh, some conditional wind situations come through. Desert, yeah, yeah. If there is any projection of 35 mile an hour plus gusts or winds in the permitted day, okay. no matter what time it is, whether it's a 2 a.m., 4 p.m. or 9 p.m. at night, national parks will rescind that uh, permit. Oh, really? What happened was for our, our March event, uh, the practice days had uh, projected winds of up to 36, 37 miles an hour. So they told us, you can't have your guys practice during these days because the lake's been closed. Mm. So if it, it's a projection. It's not the actual day of at least, at least they're giving the day. Day. The day before they project anything over 35 miles an hour, the permit yeah. pulled for that day. Sure. So when we apply for our permits, we only apply for our tournament days. 
Sure. Because in our typical program, we would advertise that there's four days of official practice. The National Park decided for our March event to permit those days. Mm. So when the wind advisor came up for the practice days of over 35 miles an hour, they would call us and say, hey, your guys can't practice. And we're like, well, wait a minute. If Joe Blow wants to go to the launch ramp and is not involved in the tournament and launches boat, there's nobody there that's going to stop him. Mm. No, you're right. So if they're not involved in the tournament, they can fish that day on their own accord and their own safety factor. Interesting. All of the tournament that has a permit, they can't. So what we did was, based on those conditions for the U.S. Open, we terminated official practice. Okay. There is no official practice for our events on on national park grounds anymore. Okay. You can fish all you want. You don't have to follow any rules because when the tournament starts Monday, October 10th, that's when you're bound to the tournament rules. I see. And and again, on those tournament days, that's the permit days. Therefore, if it's going to be blowing 38 miles an hour, you know, you may there's a potential call that we could get Sunday that says, Hey, we have projected winds for 35 mile an hour on Monday. You can't run your tournament Monday. Got it. Which is what happened last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, the U S open went from a three day format to a two day format. Yeah. Roy Hawk won the tournament, which happened the same year. Bob Tosh won at Lake Mead as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, that's just what you have to deal with. And, one of the precautionary things that we're working on this year is actually permitting the Thursday day, which is typically the day after the tournament, so that if one of our days oh. goes, we can potentially still do our third day uh, the following day. Now, that's something that we'll be telling the anglers later that says, hey, make your reservations till Wednesday, but be prepared just in case to stay Thursday as well if one of the days gets blown out. Sure. Makes sense. Gotcha. Well, that's, that's, um, I wonder how many lakes across the country, ha- uh, deal with the national park service. You know what I mean? I mean, normally when you're registering an event, it's not, that's not a very common thing. So that's kind of, you know, not very common. And the, the unique thing about it is like when we have to do our insurance policies for Lake Mead or Lake Mojave, sure. usually you're insuring a, a local facility or a Colville Bay. We actually have to insure the United States of America. Wow. <laughs> the park, it's owned by the United States of America. So our third policy says $3 million policy to the United States of America. <laughs> wow. Yeah, it's, it's crazy, but it is what it is. And you have to go through the hoops that you have to do. And, and it's great to work with those people um, at the national park. We've got Naomi uh, Shibata, who's the permit uh, person we deal with. And I've been dealing with for, 13 years now so we've gotten to know each other pretty well nice but uh it's just part of the nature of the beast getting these events on and up and running and we're looking forward to this one because the expo we've got over 30 sponsors are going to be involved with the expo this year so typically just to give you your listeners an idea um there is an off limit september 19th to the 30th to give okay. them a little bit of break and then october 1st you can fish as much as you'd like with who you'd like doing what you'd like until the eighth. Once the sun goes down on the eighth, the lake is off limits again on the ninth for our expo hall of fame induction and our mandatory meeting. So this year, the cool thing for any listeners out there that want to be a part of the U S open that haven't been able to be a part before 
This year is we're inviting the general public from 2 to 5 p.m. at the Edgewater Casino at the East Center, which is an indoor um, concert hall. Mm -hmm. You can come be a part of the expo, meet your favorite anglers, uh, meet your favorite sponsors, be a part of this year's U.S. Open. Come on out, stay for the weigh-ins, stay at one of the great partners that we have at Laughlin, uh, whichever hotel it is that you prefer. We've got Hyatt's, we've got Tropicana, Riverside, you've got Edgewater, Aquarius. There's lots of different places to stay and, and actually come in, meet and greet and be a part of this this year's U.S. Open. That's awesome. And I love how you broke up to have that, that off limits day, uh, the day before the tournament. And then that's also when the expo is happening. I think that's going to encourage folks. I mean, bring your family, bring everybody to that, that expo style event. And the other thing, it, what's nice from an angling perspective is so many times on that final day, you know, you're like, Oh, what if I find something in the last, you know, 30 minutes of, of the practice day, it's nice to take that day, get all your gear, you know, together, get a good night's sleep before the tournament. And uh, like you said, attend the meeting, attend the expo and, and get all ready to go. Exactly. That's awesome. So tournament days are 10th, 11th, 12th. So it's a tournament Monday. Days are October 10th, 11th and 12th. Mm-hmm. And uh, like I said, there's still room for pros. If one of your listeners out there is thinking about coming on out, I just got a call from a guy in Texas that fishes MLF. He's like, I've always wanted to fish the U.S. Open, and I'm making it happen this year. Signed up, and he's on his way out there. Awesome. You know, we've got uh, great national pros. Chris Aldane is coming on out with his wife, and uh, just be a part of it. Come on out and experience it. No doubt. And it's, I will promise you for anyone in the country that has not spent time in the desert, Western lakes, it is an absolute unique fishery. I have been lucky enough now to be a a lot of fisheries across the country. And it is one of the coolest places I have ever been to by far. Yeah. I call it, uh, when we were at Mead, even, even Mojave, come, come see what it's like to fish on the moon. That's exactly a great statement. And especially, I mean, Mojave is like, I mean, it is desolate and so is me, but like, I mean, it's just, you, you look around and you're just the scenery and then you look down and see a small mouth in 25 feet of water, or especially when you get into that fall time frame, you get those wolf packs, man, you'll have one on and there'll be five with it. And you'll be like, Oh my. And that's, what's great about a triple A events. Like dude, throw in there, throw in there. <laughs> There's right. five of them right there. Especially if, if the pros got one on the line and another one comes in with it, it's, great way to work as a team but uh, i really appreciate you having me on and talking about the u.s open and really wish uh, all those people that have ever thought of coming out and being a part of it uh make a trip out to laughlin like you said fly into laughlin grab a rental car and come on out no doubt and uh i guess billy to wrap things up kind of what i always like to do is uh is talk about your personal biggest largemouth, smallmouth, spotted bass, if you've caught a spotted bass, and where you were and, and what you caught them on? Well, my biggest largemouth is at 12.59. And the story behind that is I was just, before I ever started working for Juan Bass, I was uh, in the construction industry as a uh, construction management. And um, in 2008, everything kind of, you know, what happened in 2008, Mm-hmm. So I had met a, a buddy of mine that got me into swim bait fishing and I entered the heavyweight bass classic at Don Pedro because I was had designed my own swim baits that I was selling online on Facebook. One of them is called the Sanaga, which is 
T-S-U-N-G-A-N-A, which okay. is uh, Cherokee for trout. So it was a trout pattern bait. So in order to promote my baits at the time, I entered the HBC tournament up in Don Pedro Lake, went up there, fish against Butch Brown and all the big swim bait guys, mm-hmm. and uh, blanked at that particular tournament. So I drove all the way home, which was probably a seven-hour drive, and went to a local lake that I was part of out here um, and said, hey, I'm going to make one cast right along this riprap area with a Huddleston and uh, try to go home with at least catching a fish before I go home. Mm-hmm. That's when I caught my 12.58 or 12.98 largemouth bass, which is still currently my largest. I've had fish on that were bigger, but I never landed uh, that mm-hmm. were tuners. But at this point, I've never broken that that PB yet. Yeah. For smally, I think my biggest smallmouth is a 4.8 at Havasu. Catching uh, that with my buddy Mike Bond, who used to work here at Western Outdoor News nice. back in the early days when we used to go to Havasu and throw swim baits out there. I think that was uh, either a lunker punker fish or it might have been on one of my Snaga baits. And then spotted bass, I would have to say it's not real big because I haven't done a lot of spotted bass fishing, but it was up at um, – that was probably – Spotted bass at uh, oh geez, Berryessa Lake Berryessa. Yeah, went up there last year with one of the editors from Western Outdoor News and Rusty Brown because uh, one of the companies that does the houseboats up there wanted us to come do a little piece on it. And that fishery is unbelievable because not only can you catch smallmouth or a spotted bass, but you can get all three species in one day, largemouth, smallmouth, and spotted bass at one lake. It was pretty, it was a great adventure. So still trying to beat that PB of that 12.9, but uh, you know, that's what we're here for. I like it. I like it. Well, I, uh, I met some folks this year flying out to Champlain. I fished as a co-angler of my buddy, Andrew Loberg and some of his buddies from that very region. And uh, they, they were talking about, Berryessa and, and one of them had caught an A-rig fish, an Alabama rig fish, and one of each species on the same A-rig, which is just crazy to me. That's super cool. to. Right. I love fisheries when there's three different species like that. Yep. You can go out there and catch all three species and uh, all day long, basically. Berryessa is a beautiful place. It's up in Napa, California. But uh, I'd have to say just for you guys, the, the most interesting thing that ever happened with a freshwater umbrella rig Mm-hmm. fishing the Long Beach Harbor area for a, a saltwater bass tournament. Okay. I connected on a 45 pound grouper. Oh my gosh. A rig. <sighs> Eating an under a uh, um, cool baits underspin A rig that I threw out there. And did you just trash it? it? But in California, you can't take pictures or uh, hold those type of fish. So, Mm. to catch and release it real quick <laughs> yeah instagram or facebook you might find it somewhere there you go <laughs> it's awesome was that a rig i mean was that just thing just trash regular bass bass style a rig and it didn't uh, break 45 pound fish on. 45 with kitek uh, white you know baits on it I was going for calico bass and all of a sudden i thought i hooked the bottom and the bottom started moving back yeah <laughs> wow that is awesome. Well, that's great, Billy. I, I love stories like that. Um, one thing that I, I need to for sure get out of the way here, how can folks, if they are interested in 
making a push and, and heading out to Mojave. How do folks sign up for this? So everything's on our website. And the parent company, like I mentioned, is Western Outdoor News. You can also find it at wombass.com. But if you go to wonews.com, the very top of our website is tournaments. If you click on the tournaments button, it'll not only show you the U.S. Open and all the other Wombass events we do, but it'll show you the Cabo Tuna Jackpot, the San Diego Tuna Jackpot, our Striper Derby, our Trout Fest at Big Bear, Trout Cast at Lake Cuyamaca. We do 12 events a year. So if you really want to find out more of what we do here at Western Outdoor News in Wombass, go to wonews.com, click on the tournaments, pick something that fancies your interest and read about all the events. But we, like I said, we have room currently for pros and amateurs for this year's U.S. Open, and uh, it could sell out at 225 entries. So get in quick, and uh, we'd love to see you there. Awesome. Awesome. Great stuff, Billy. Well, thanks for coming on, and I'm super excited to see oh, the results. and there's yeah. a Cat Cougar FTD worth $80,000 plus thousand with a Mercury 250 up for first place, plus $80-some thousand dollars. For based on 225 boats so come on out lots of sponsors great sponsors next gen lithium daiwa hook uh, you got life source costa berkeley phoenix ava garcia cigar powerpole lawrence livingston they're all involved with this event so come on out meet the sponsors meet the anglers have a good time in laughlin and feel a little bit about what it's like to be involved with the u.s open love it Love it, man. Great way to end the show. And folks, uh, check it out. And and if you can't make it, be sure to watch the weigh-in. Watch what happens out west. Yeah. It's going to be an We'll incredible. be live all three days from the U.S. Open uh, at wombass.com and wonews.com. Plenty of places to, to view it. Some of our sponsors will be pushing that out there. We have a professional crew actually coming out for the live broadcast this year. So it's going to be one not to miss. Awesome. Awesome. All right, Billy, we'll have a great rest of your day and we will uh, be sure to get this, get this out for everyone to see and uh, get out West folks. Thanks Adam. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. Well, that was an awesome show. Hope you guys enjoyed it. If you can, and your app allows it, please leave us a rating and review. It really helps us get seen more which allows us to access more time and more variables to be able to bring to the show to make it better for you guys. So hope you enjoyed it. And if you did and you like some of the things we talked about in this episode and want to check out our show partners, all of that is in every single show description. You can click down there. It's got all of our discount codes, all of our links to our show partners where you guys can go and support the people that support this show and help us make this show happen. And of course, this show does not happen without you guys. You guys know we appreciate you. You're the Sears Sanger fam. You're the reason we're here. Appreciate y'all, and we'll see y'all on the next one.